Father, Lord, we come before your presence this morning. Lord, we just can feel your presence in this house today. Lord, there's many within our body, Lord, today that is sick, Lord, that even this morning woke up, Lord, not feeling well. But Lord, we know you're in this house, and Lord, we have gathered today in your name. Lord, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so, Lord, this morning we pray you would bless this offering, bless the gift and the giver, and bless those that have to give and those that do not have to give. Lord, we pray that if they don't have to give, that, Lord, at some point in time they would be able to give back as a blessing unto you. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Let these offerings be for the advancement of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. The people of God together said, Amen. Let's worship together during our meet and greet this time.
Um, if you'll head back to your seats, we've got a, you may be seated this morning. We've got a couple of housekeeping items we want to uh, bring to your attention uh, really quickly uh, before we uh, jump back into scripture and prayer uh, this morning. Uh, I want to just make mention uh, of a couple little uh, items. We have a couple cards here uh, that have been sent in. Uh, one of them says, we would like to express our deepest gratitude for your prayers and most recently your acknowledgement during our time of loss. The flower that you sent to Helen Smith's service was beautiful. It reminded us uh, of her love and uh, because of her love for flowers, we cannot thank you enough. During this transition, uh, David Smith and family, and that is actually Pastor Ard's sister that passed away a couple weeks ago and we sent flowers to that family. Uh, and so they want to do that. Let me just remind, just for housekeeping purposes, uh, we, we love the fact that you love your phones, but please help us with that, uh, with just putting it on vibrate, if possible, uh, just because sometimes it is a distraction to some folks and it and, uh, makes it a little confusing. If you have children, we love your children, but we don't keep your children. We want you to take them when church is over. Uh, so please go sign your kids back out of Children's Church. Um, it, I, you know, we, we really don't mind if you want to volunteer to, with somebody in the church to take their kids home. Miss Tana is volunteering to send home, sending home some kids. No, not to take your kids. She's volunteering. You can take hers home with you. And so, so she'll let you sign those out, but take somebody's kid if they don't mind, but don't leave us any. They don't, they don't do well here alone. Um, men, don't forget, we're going to be starting our men, mentoring men, Bible study. Uh, in a couple weeks, we're getting all that squared away. Ladies, don't forget, yours is coming up soon as well. Uh, Miss Jennifer was going to be here this morning and talk to you more about it. But as you see, there's a missing chair. She woke up this morning not feeling well at all. She is very, very sick today along with uh, countless others today that are sick. Uh, don't forget, fellowship meal for Wednesday, October the, 7th, uh, October the 5th will be coming up. It is spaghetti this time. There will be a sign-up sheet like last time. We had 20-something come for the fish fry, and Miss Brenda threw a spread, and Brother Primo and others brought side dishes, and Miss Ann, she's in here somewhere. Can we just give them a hand of appreciation for that today? Also, at the end of the month, the last Sunday night, September 25th, is our snack night. It's always fun. After church, you'll, you'll get all this information uh, coming up. On Saturday, October the 22nd, from 9 to 12, we need all hands that possibly can help us. I've been needing to do a work day here at the church for odds and ends, but I didn't want you to die of heat exhaustion, so I've waited till the fall, but we've got a couple things, just getting some cobwebs out of the eaves of some of the porches, and uh, some pressure washing, and some sanitizing of pews, and just a little odds and ends. We've got a job for everybody that, that uh, if you can help us. Miss Jeannie is also sick today, uh, so we had to scramble a little bit with Children's Church, but Family Fest is coming up October the 30th. We're going to do a carnival theme. Uh, we've got food, uh, carnival foods coming, uh, snow cones, funnel cakes, um, uh, I forgot, fried Oreos, um, and cotton candy, uh, various flavors. Uh, there'll be all kinds of games and trunk or treat at the end. It's absolutely free. It costs you nothing, except if you're like, well, Pastor, I want to help. Great. I need you to start bringing candy. That's what I need. Go to Sam's, go to BJ's, go rob your grandparents' bank account, but go buy candy and bring it to me um, so that I can help dentists stay in office. Don't forget, uh, you can always listen to our services on Apple and Google Podcasts. Um, you can always follow our services and stuff on the Internet as well. 
Uh, and last but not least, for some of those, people ask, well, Pastor, what if I can't make it to church? Well, we do have online service streaming abilities. We're on Facebook Live. We're on YouTube Live every Sunday morning uh, and Sunday night. That uh, You can watch that if you, we don't want you to stay home. Hello. We're just giving you the option if you're sick and need to stay home. But don't use that as a crutch today. Uh, and let me just say on behalf of all of us, we thank you so much, all of our first-time guests, for visiting with us. We hope you feel right at home. Come again soon. If you need anything, please let one of our hospitality team members know. They're always at the front. Miss Ann and others will be glad to assist you uh, and help you any way that they possibly can. That being said, before I turn it to Scripture and prayer uh, for Brother Mayor, and he can be, if you would, make his way at this time for Scripture and prayer, and then immediately following Sister Lila will be singing. Um, Today is my wife's birthday, but she's hiding in children's church on purpose because she's afraid I would do something in sanctuary. So when church is over, please make sure you go by and tell her happy 45th birthday that she's having today. And uh, she's celebrating 45 years, and uh, she looks great for 45. And, uh, and uh, so make sure you tell her that. But her family came to church this morning. This whole entire row back here is her brothers and sister-in-laws and her mom and dad. So can we welcome them to church today for her birthday as well? God bless you at this time. be in God's house as always I want to be first Thessalonians chapter 5 I got a, two scriptures this is Paul's final instruction to the Thessalonian church he says rejoice evermore pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you quench not the spirit despise not prophesying prove all things hold fast to which is good abstain from all appearances of evil praise the Lord at this time, I like to go to the Lord in prayer. I read, I read one scripture more than I wanted to read, but that's that's fine. But uh, again, it's good to be in God's house. Uh, Good-looking group. Um, I come to praise the Lord. Uh, I love worship. I love praise, and uh, God loves it also. So let us pray. Let's all pray together. Father, in, in Jesus' name, we praise you right now. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to be in your house. The Lord, you said, forsake not the assembly. And I'm thankful, Lord, that. Um, sisters and brothers, come together, Lord, to worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would touch every part of this service, from the music to the preaching of your word. Father, I pray, Lord, that when we leave this place, Lord, that, Lord, the anointing will follow, Lord, that we might go out into this field that's ripe unto harvest, and that we might witness the good news of Jesus Christ as being Lord. Father, again, I'm thankful, Lord, for your love, mercy, and grace. Be with us today. In Jesus' name, we all say, praise the Lord. Thank you. 
Amen. Are you thankful for Calvary this morning? Let's stand again this morning and let's go back into worship this morning and let's sing the praise chorus that just says, Oh, let's magnify the Lord.
sanctuary for you. Let's sing together.
lives you have been faithful. You've been so good to us all. Father, as we get ready to break the bread of life this morning, Father, I pray that in the solemnness and secrecy of this moment, we do not forget the goodness of God. Because, Lord, at the end of the day, we would not be here had it not been for Jesus Christ. For that, Lord, we are eternally grateful. Lord, we stand in your presence, Lord, this morning to, to, to decree and declare that, Lord, we know that we would be nowhere had it not been for the providential hand of the Lord. Lord, you have been good. With every breath that we have left in our mortal bodies, we would decree and declare the goodness of God today. Christ, Jesus, our precious Lord, we pray. People of God together said amen. Amen. Can you just give the Lord a hand of appreciation this morning as you're seated? You may be seated this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book. Luke chapter 15, the gospel of Luke chapter 15. While you're turning there, let me make mention of two things to you. Uh, on next Sunday, I'll announce it again tonight, and I'll announce it again on Wednesday night, but next Sunday morning, uh, September 18th, immediately following the morning worship service, uh, if you'll give me all my faithful tithers, attenders, all those people, if you'll give me about 10 minutes of your time, we want to give you the annual report we give you every year from the fiscal year of um, August to the end of September, or excuse me, from September to the end of August. I got them backwards. And so we have finished that report. We want to talk to you about how God has blessed us from August of, uh, excuse me, September of 2021 and through uh, August of 2022 and give you the report, how much we've spent out, how much we've paid out how much we've done all that, but I'm just going to tell you before you come worried, you're still in the black, there's no red on the margin, so you're still good, but we want you to come hear the report next week, I told Miss Carol, who's my work boss uh, here, who signs my checks each week, um, you know, they say, Pastor, you're the boss, you're supposed to sign the checks, but I can't sign my own, so if she doesn't sign it, I'm broke, so she has to, she's really the boss around here. But uh, I told her, she said, Pastor, I'm working on this report. I said, look, I don't care how many times you have to audit it. I just need you to say I'm $1 to the good. I don't care, just $1. If you can just find, if we're missing a dollar, call me, I'll bring it. I want $1 black so that I can stand up there and say we're in the black. We're doing good. And, uh, but we're, we're over a dollar, and I didn't, have to, I didn't have to pay to help get us there. But like that. But um, make sure that you're there. Also, if you like to shop Amazon, any of you that are Amazon shoppers, there's a uh, sheet out back uh, there on the, uh, in the vestibule area on the Welcome Center table uh, that the Church of God Home for Children, we're one of the few states in, uh, left uh, in the Church of God that still runs a full-service orphanage. We have uh, somewhere between 25 to 30 current orphans uh, that are housed by the Church of God in South Carolina and, and Malden, Greenville. We also have a transition house that once they leave from high school and then their college years and their early vocational years, they can stay there till they get on their feet or whatever, maybe they've been displaced by loss of family or, or parents that are not able to take care of them due to drugs or other things. And so we're one of the few states to do it, but our Church of God Home for Children is not funded, you know, through the state as in they get a big budget each year. They're funded, they raise their money. We have a, uh, on staff, 24 hours a day, uh, licensed social worker and psychologist on staff there. So we have a house parents, uh, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of work behind the scenes. But they have partnered with uh, Amazon smile and the church of god home for children if you shop amazon you can get that sheet back there if you go through and do it through amazon smile you still get all your products you still pay the same price 
but Amazon will give a proceeds of each purchase towards the Church of God Home for Children. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but somebody told me on Wednesday night that they spend about $1,000 a year on Amazon. The Church of God would love to get that percentage from time to time uh, back from that. But if you do that, shop on Amazon. Um, you can get the sheet. It tells you all the information uh, about that. Let me also say, just as a housekeeping item, remember we are in the middle of studying right now uh, about our vision for 2023 and 2024. We want to reach disciples and pray one person, one family, and one community at a time. You can't win a community until you find a family in the community, and you can't win a family until you find one person in the family. So we're trying to slowly but surely impact the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout all of that as well. And I also... Uh, want you to be aware that we are still continuing part two of a series uh, that we started uh, on assignments and what God's assignment is for his church. You believe, see, I, I believe that God doesn't leave us here on earth to be lazy. That's counterintuitive for some people. God leaves us here because he's got stuff he needs us to do before he comes back. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that today, about that assignment, part two of a message called Find Me. So if you have it, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 20. Once you have it, you can stand all over the house to honor the reading of God's word and the guest of honor, which is the Lord himself. If you don't have your Bibles, it will be on the screen. You can follow along. This is talking, this is the end of a parable of the, of, uh, the prodigal son. I've preached on this before, but we're going to look at it a little different today. And the father arose, or the man arose, and he came to his father. And when he was still a great far off, his father saw him and had compassion on him, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, you go get the best robe, and you put it back on him. And you go get the best ring I have, and you put it on his hand and sandals on his feet. You bring the best fatted calf that I have out there in the pasture. You kill it, prepare it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead but is now alive again. He was lost and now found and they began to be married. This is a I told you Luke chapter 15 is an entire chapter dedicated to lost things. It's called the lost chapter. We've talked about the lost coin. We've talked about the lost sheep. Now we have the lost son and all of this goes back to what heaven does when someone gives their heart to Jesus Christ. And you can't, in this series that we're talking about called Assignments, you cannot reach somebody for Jesus until you first go find them where they are. The son came to his senses and said, I've got to go back to the father's house because anything's better than the pig pens of life. He came to his senses. But what if the church, what if the father's house, what if when he got back the father said, no, nah, you already ran out on me one time, I'm not doing this again. I can't trust you. I'm not letting you come back in my house. You see, we, we are known, the Bible teaches that when we come together in corporate worship like this, we are now part of the Father's house, the body of Christ. What if a sinner walks in here this morning and we go, we don't have time to bother with you today. We've missed the mindset and the mission of the Father. The Father is wanting anybody to come home to put the best robe on. Not the person who wants the spotlight. He wants to put the best robe on the one who comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and celebrate that spiritual birthday. Let's pray together. Father, to the very best of my ability, help me to preach your word to the people of God today. Help us to hear from heaven. We love you and we glorify you. We ask that you would help us not to be hearers of this word, but doers there likewise. We will forever commit this word to memory and to heart. 
as you give us the revelation and guidance through the holy pages of Scripture. And we will forever thank you and praise you and glorify your name in the body of Christ together. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Well, let me just go ahead and go straight to the point in the script. I've been here over about over three years now. And I have never, I, every time I stand behind a sacred lectern, I'm nervous. You know, always because of the weight of the responsibility. I, I told somebody not too long ago, anytime you can come stand behind a pulpit and preach and you don't feel nerves anymore, then that's probably where you need to get back and talk to God because you've somehow lost because this is a very weighted assignment. But of all the years I have ever preached, I have never been more nervous than I am today because Brianna's family is here to critique it. So uh, normally we go to lunch after church everywhere, and normally I get to hear about everybody else's church service, so I feel real good about mine. You know, they'll say what they saw on, on you know, at church or what somebody else posted or something they saw on the social media. And every week I always pick, and they say, oh, one Sunday we're going to show up at your church. And I say, that's the Sunday I'm going to resign when you show up. Well, I did write my resignation letter because I didn't know they were coming, but uh, here we are. So I'm not going to resign today, but... Um, Please don't fire me because I don't know what lunch will be like when I leave today, okay? So, but I do want to continue our series on Find Me. Last week we started out discussing the fact that we have to have, the letter F stood for fervency. We had to have a passion for lost people. See, the problem with the church, the way we're living in today, is the church has gotten complacent. We've gotten to a place where we know how to sing the right songs, we know how to dance the right dance, we know how to say the right words, we know how to listen what I call emotional responses when it comes to the body of Christ. We know how to do all the right things that we call churchy, but we don't have any more God in that moment because we've perfected the craft of being churchy. The early church didn't have lights and smoke and fog machines. They didn't even have some of the amenities like we have in sound systems, but they had a passion for lost people. They wanted everybody that they come in contact with. They didn't care how they had to do it. They wanted them to know who Jesus Christ was. And they were going to do everything, whether it cost them their life, whether it made them have to be in prison, whether they were beheaded, whether they were martyred. Whatever it cost, they were willing to die for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. Nowadays, you can't get people to come to church just in knowing they're safe to come to church. They won't even come to church and hear about Jesus Christ because they're complacent. You know, I like online streaming. You know that. I'm all about online streaming, but it is a crutch to a lot of people. One of the greatest disservices the church has ever done is we've created a social media platform for church. Now, you understand me. I understand that when it's used in the proper context, it's good. But the Bible tells us in, in, in Hebrews that don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves as in the manner of some, but come together with exhortation together. God did not say come together on Facebook and let's talk about it on Snapchat. God said we come together. You can't be a part of the body of Christ if we're never together. There's no way to do that. And I thank God for like people like Miss Jennifer and Miss Jeannie today who are sick that can watch online. But there's a lot of people that watch online that could be in church today. Some may be watching right now and may not ever watch this service again. You know what I care? How much I care about that much because the truth is the truth whether they like to hear it or not. Because the Bible said in the last days people will turn aside from sound doctrine and with itching ears they'll turn to fables. Meaning they're not going to want to hear the truth anymore. They're not going to want to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord anymore. They just want to feel good when they leave church. You came to the wrong place today if you want me to make you feel good today. My job and my assignment is not to make you feel good. It's to make sure you don't go to hell and you know how to make it to heaven every day. Because I'm telling you whether we like it or not, it's like a good game of hide and go seek. Like it or not, one day Jesus is going to say, ready or not, here I come. And he's going to show up whether we're ready or not. So we have to have fervency. And we talked about that with the lost sheep. We talked about that, that he left $9,900 worth of, 
of livestock, because a sheep around today is about $100 a, a lamb, and he left $9,900 worth of income to go find a $100 bill. That's how important it was to the shepherd, because that sheep could never replace any of these other sheep. They never were like that one sheep that was missing. We talked about the lady with the lost coin. We talked about her fervor, passion to look for that one coin. She had nine other ones, but that one coin had special value to her. And she, when she found it, along with the shepherd, when he found the sheep, they called their friends and they celebrated together. And I talked to you about how God celebrates. The angels of heaven rejoice when a sinner comes home. So there's fervency. Well, you say, well, pastor, how do we find these lost people? Well, it's through prayer. The letter I is invocation. You have to pray to God. The Bible said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. That he'll send workers and laborers because the harvest is white and plentiful, but the laborers are... There ain't a lot of people signing up to be in ministry. There's a lot of people signing up in ministry to stand right here to get big paychecks and have LED screens on the back wall and have strobe lights and have TV cameras all over them so that everybody can be like, oh, you're Pastor so-and-so from the church across town. And they're like, yes, I am. It's so nice to meet you. And they rub noses and they become political, you know, pastors and all that stuff. And that's great. You know, if that's what they want to do, that's between, between them and Jesus. But God did not call us to be limelight people. He called us to hide behind the cross so that he is seen because when he is high and lifted up, everybody else will get drawn unto him. It never says when the preacher's high and lifted up, everybody comes. It says when Jesus is high and lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. Invocation, prayer, how do we do that? Jesus told us to pray. Prayer is our connection between God the Father and it's like a direct line. It's like, oh, an awaiting ear. You know, I, I have many times... Early on in my ministerial career when I had to go to the hospitals for things, sometimes, Brother Larry, I didn't know what room they were in. Somebody would call and say, Pastor, so-and-so's in the hospital. So if I didn't you know, know if they were still there or whatever, I would call the hospital. And when I called the hospital, it would go to a switchboard operator. And that lady would say, hi, thank you for calling such and such medical center. How may I help you? And I said, yes, I am looking for so-and-so. Are they still there? Hold on one moment, please. And then I hear elevator music. They're looking or whatever. But it went to a switchboard operator. Then she'd come back on and she'd say either, no, sir, they actually been discharged today. And I'd be like, okay, thank you. Or she'd say, well, yes, sir, they are in room 777 and they're, you know, whatever. Would you like me to page that room and, 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 and let you talk to them or speak to the family see if one's in there? Or, or And I would either say yes or no, I'm coming to the hospital, no worries. I just want to make sure they were there. That's great. But I never talked to the patient until I either got on the phone or until I got into the room because the switchboard operator was the medium between me and the person in the hospital. See, what I like about God is God doesn't have to have anybody speak for himself. I don't have to have a switchboard operator when I pray. I don't have to stand there and say, okay, and then have Gabriel or Michael say, hold on, let me make sure God's okay with this right now. He might be busy right now. Let me make sure he's not helping somebody else on line one. He'll come back to you in just a moment. Hold on, you're number 576 in the queue. In about three days, we'll answer this call. Please hold and start hearing elevator music. I thank God the Bible said before I can even finish the syllable Jesus, heaven stops singing, everything stops, and God's ears perk up, and he says, hold on. Wait a minute. I hear something. 
I love the fact that if you say, well, Pastor, we do have a switchboard operator. Yeah, but it's kind of kind of confusing. That's kind of because the Bible says Jesus Christ is our high priest and he's the mediator between God and man. But the Bible said that we cannot go to the Father unless we come through Jesus Christ. So as soon as I start praying, Jesus doesn't have to wait to see if I want to talk to God. He just looks over to God over there on his left-hand side and says, hey, God, listen up. So uh, Jonathan's praying today and he needs this and I've already died on Calvary's cross, so we need to do something. And why? While I'm still praying, the Bible looks, to, the Lord looks to the other side of the throne and looks to the Holy Spirit and says, I need you to go on down there and take care. I thank God I don't have to have somebody pray before me. I can talk to God on my, for myself. I don't need a priest. I don't need a mediator. I don't need somebody else. I can pray to God anytime I need to for myself. In the Old Testament, I didn't have that luxury. In the Old Testament, I had to have a priest pray for me. I had to bring sacrifices. I had to present him to the priest, and he would go into the sacred place of the temple and to the tabernacle, and he would offer it up, and he would pray. I had to believe God that that priest was good with God because his prayers were all I had. But I thank God today I don't have to depend on a preacher. I don't have to depend on a mediator. I don't have to depend on somebody in a, you know, clerical robe or some kind of collared priest to sit behind a, a door and talk to I thank God I don't have to come to somebody's office and say, Pastor, I need you to get a prayer for me for God. I don't, I'm not talking about praying one for another, but I thank God that if even when I can't get a hold to the preacher, and even when I can't get a hold to my Sunday school teacher, and even when I can't get a hold to somebody in the church, even if it's a 2 o'clock in the morning and sleep has left my eyes and tears are staining my pillowcase, I can look towards heaven and say, God, I know you're up there somewhere, and I know you hear me when I pray and he can hear me and he can help me when no one else can in that moment Jesus said we were to pray for all people Jesus even went as far as to say you're supposed to pray and bless those who persecute you he said even when people treat you like dirt pray for them in fact one scripture says it like this when you do that it is like heaping hot coals of fire upon their head I mean it's like eating them up inside I wish God would let me see that happen you know how cool it would be when somebody hurts my feelings or makes me mad I could pray for them and I could watch God put hot lava all over them and I could be like burn baby burn I mean come on I, I, I need protection I want you don't don't let me get hurt when I say that you save me here you're my bodyguard Chris don't let nothing happen to me anytime praise the Lord thank you but the reality of it is I thank God that the Bible says I have to pray for my enemies. That's hard. When someone does me wrong, it's hard to look back at them and say, I'm going to pray for you. And if I am praying for you, it's probably not the prayer they want me to pray. Because if I decide to pray, it's like, kill them. <laughs> Lord, please let them get another job. Please let them just vanish. Please make them a tar spot in the middle of the road. I will not mind, God. That's not the prayer God says we're supposed to pray for those who persecute us. That's not what he says. You see, I want to tell you today that the early church was founded on prayer. In fact, the Bible said they would have daily prayer meetings. They would go multiple times a day to the temple and pray. They would have home uh, services or what you call prayer vigils or prayer services in the home. They'd come together and break bread of life. And they would pray together and make their requests known to God. Can I tell you, Jesus went into the temple and he saw that they were exchanging money and selling things. Then he said, what is going on in this place? And he took a whip out of cords and he threw over the tables and he said, my house was not 
not to be a merchandise house. It was not to be Walmart. It's not to be big lots. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. Can I tell you, we have lost that in the church today. We don't need you to sell your T-shirts in the front door and your coffee mugs in the back door. We need you to come to church with a prayer of thanksgiving and a heart of worship, praying in the morning when you wake up, praying at night when you go to bed, and when we come to church, praying together because the Bible said that prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men and women availeth much. Prayer does that. Not your t-shirt sales. Prayer. Now, you know, you say, well, Pastor, when Southern Gospel groups or people come in, they sell the t-shirts, are you saying, I'm, like, I'm not saying that. I'm not splitting theological hairs with you on stuff like that. I'm here to tell you, though, that the first primary responsibility of the church is to be a house of prayer. Nothing more. It's not to be an entertainment. It's not a country club. It's not a social club. It's not a place where we just come pay a little bit of tithes and offerings in the in the in the offering plate like our like our uh, you know, homeowners association dudes or country club dudes waiting for somebody to die in our family so the church will give us chicken. That's not what church is about. If you're looking for that, go go join Berkeley County Country Club. They'll let you pay monthly dues and they'll give you free benefits. You don't pay and do things like that in church because we're trying to bargain with God. We do it because we know we owe God everything we've got. The reality of it is we have lost that prayer in the church. The prodigal son, the father prays for his son. For this extensive period of time, the son has not returned. The father has looked every day. I could imagine the father every day, Brother Randy, going to the proverbial front door. Every morning with his cup of coffee, and he opens the door, and he's looking down that long road. He's hoping that one day when he opens that front door, that son's going to be coming down that long road. Sister Susie, day after day, that father opened that door and never saw that child. Oh, yeah, he had the oldest son still working in the family business. But it wasn't the same. The oldest son was totally different than the youngest son. He, those of you that have multiple children, you know that. Every one of your children, you love them, but they're all different in their own way. And every day he opened that door and his heart sank to his chest because that son was missing. It wasn't there. Brother Larry, the Bible says that as he kept praying, he didn't know what to do. But one morning, he opened that door again, proverbially speaking. With dejection in his eyes, he was just going to look out with sleep still filling his eyes, thinking it's another day, another day. But this day, Sister Brittany, when he looked out, he saw a figment of a figure. Along. He couldn't really tell at first, but he could see somebody at the end of the road. He could tell it was a person. He didn't know if it was someone just doing their daily walk or runs, but he knew it was somebody. But as it kept walking towards him, the picture kept getting a little bit clearer and a little bit clearer. And the Bible does not say, well, the father stood there with his arms crossed in judgment and saying, I can't wait to light into you when you get here. Now, that's how church people do. Boy, you got quiet. We must not be at church God anymore. You must went nominal today. He didn't stand there with the righteous, self-righteous condemnation because the Bible says, therefore, there is no more condemnation to them that know Christ Jesus. He didn't stand there saying, I can't wait to tell you what I think. The Bible said all of a sudden there was a quiver on his lip. All of a sudden, he was like most men in this room when a Hallmark movie comes on, their allergies kick in. And tears start coming in well up. I know you men, you cry. You, you say it's, it's, it's allergies every time that Hallmark movie's playing, but we know you're sentimental at heart. We know it. Tears started welling in his eyes. From a distance, he saw what he thought he perceived at first, Brother Rocky, was his son, but he wasn't sure still yet. And he stood there and he's like, But Lord, don't let this be, don't let this just be false representation. Don't give me false hope. 
But Brother Dennis, shortly, he saw that it was his son. And the Bible said that the tears just went from the edge of the corner of his eyes and they started streaming down his cheek. And all of a sudden, I don't know if that father was 50, 60, 70, we don't know how old he is, but all of a sudden he was like a 25-year-old man again. He didn't care what his servants thought about him. He didn't care what his children thought about him. He didn't care if everybody in town thought it was a disgrace for a man to do that. He stripped off his robe and he went on a full sprint. And he met the son. He did not wait for the son to get to him, but he met the son where he was at and he embraced him. Can I tell you, that's what God did. We never could have made it to heaven. But when Jesus saw us afar off, the father said, but they still belong to me. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he dispensed heaven's precious lamb of God, the son of the almighty God. And when Christ died, he came down here and he said, hey, I'm going to take you back to the Father. God met us right where we are in our sin-sickened state and said, welcome home. Welcome home. He gave him a robe. He gave him promotion. He said, well, Pastor, even if I do all that, how do I know how to get there? Well, the end is for navigation. There's got to be a plan. Fervency is our passion. Invocation is our prayer. But navigation is the plan. How do I get from plan A to plan B? How do I get to this place, Pastor, where you're talking about finding lost people and having a passion and a first? I can pray, but how do I get that? Well, prayer starts it, but then God has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it like this. For I have plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Which tells me God's always got a plan on the horizon. I may not always understand it, and I may not always can figure it out. But I know God has a plan. You know, we sing it around here in a praise and worship song. Some of you will probably know it as soon as I say it. I've quoted it so many times. Probably, probably of all the praise and worship songs I've ever heard, it's probably one of my favorite sections of a praise and worship song. It says, even when I don't see it, Lord, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, Lord, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Look, I'm not always going to know God's working on my finances. I'm not always going to know God's fixing my marriage. I'm not always going to know God's blessing my children. I'm not always going to know when God's going to save my children. But I know the Bible said, he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. If I train up a child in the way they should go, when I grow old they won't depart. I know the Bible says for God has plans for me to prosper me and not to harm me. I know the Bible said even when I don't know what to pray the Spirit of God will pray for me on my behalf. I don't always have to understand the plan of God but I know God's always got a plan working behind the scenes. He's always got a plan. But how do I get there? What's the coordinates? What's the points? Well, prayer helps set the navigational coordinates, if you will, to heaven and gets us on the right track. You know, God's plans for us, sometimes, they do require detours. You know, I, I don't know if any of you have ever used one of these before. They're satanic. I know that God didn't make this. It had to be Satan himself. Because they wait till you're on the road that you're supposed to turn left in, or right on, and you're six lanes over, and it says, turn right now. How in the world am I supposed to parallel park this car on six lanes of traffic in Atlanta, Georgia, when the interstate's going left and right, and you haven't told me for the last 40 miles if I'm getting off left or right, and then all of a sudden it's like, exit now on your right. What? How am I going to get over there? And then you got to ride the Capitol Beltway all the way back around in traffic to get back to the same thing. And then next thing it says, recomputing, recomputing, rerouting. And you're like, okay, you got to be kidding me. And I always love it. I preached a revival about, oh, I don't know, a long time ago when I was old and younger. And I was going to Dacusville, 
South Carolina. Anybody know where Dacusville, South Carolina is? Anybody? Wow, great. See, you know about as much of it as I did. So I put in my GPS. I was supposed to get there on Saturday night, meet with the preacher, and get to my room, and was going to be in revival. So I come off a of White Horse Road in Greenville. I come down, and I get to the base of a mountain. Y'all, the base of the mountain. Mountain, left or right. Can't see around the mountain. Can't see over the mountain. Can't see nothing. I'm at the base, and I got. And you know what? My G, this is the God's honest truth. My GPS said there is no more data available for your destination. <laughs> okay. I called the preacher. I said, um, I'm at a mountain. Which one? Well, you know, if they had a sign on the mountain, I'd read it to you. I'm at Mount So and So. They didn't put one on this side of the mountain. What do you see? Did I not explain this to you? I'm at a mountain. It says turn left or right. I have no more data available. I have one bar from my cell phone. You sound like you're a broken record. All I hear is about every third word you say. I need to know left or right. That's it. Then I'll see if it recomputes. Well, stay where you are. I don't know where I'm at is what I'm trying to tell you, sir. He said, well, take a left. And I said, well, that's going to take me. I don't know, but i got to find something more than a mountain to have to go off of here. Thank the Lord I found it. But it's the truth. No more data available. Can I tell you, God never says, I don't have nothing else. I don't know what else to say. There's never been a time when I prayed, God said, you know, I, I just don't know what to do now. I just, you know, no more data available. Sorry. Good luck. Hope you figure it out. That God never says that. God never says that. In fact, my lifetime looks like this GPS. Sometimes I have to take detours that I didn't plan along the way. Because you know why? Because sometimes God knows there's traffic ahead. I love Waze. Waze is my new best friend. I sign up on Waze, and Waze be like, yeah, somebody crashed their car in about 30 miles. You probably shouldn't go that way, so how about you go the other way? And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And it navigates me around the wrecks and everything else. One day I got off on the interstate, it's navigating me around, and I thought, okay, here's another one of those no more data available. But, you know, that thing took me through subdivisions, took me through people. I drove through them. I think I really drove through someone's backyard. I was passing swimming pools. But I got through and somehow ended up on another interstate somewhere and got through. I don't know how, and I apologize to the people whose yard I tore up. But that Waze got me through. Well, God will always make a ways where there seems to be no ways. He'll make a way. He'll get me to where I need to go. It's sometimes, my life sometimes, you say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been to. No, I don't know. You may have been a drunk. You may have, you know, had immoral failures. You, you may have, you know, made horrible decisions in life. You know, those were detours. But God's going to get you back on the right path. You just trust the coordinates. He'll get you back right. He'll get you straight. That's the navigation. There was an old Southern Gospel song that the Crab family used to sing called, He Came Looking for Me. We, you, you in Sunday school have been studying the book of Genesis. All the way back from the book of Genesis, we talked about the other week, we can see where God was setting up his plan. With the killing and the shedding of, a, of an animal for clothing for Adam and Eve and the shedding of blood, God was already setting the redemption process in place. It changed their life. When one is lost, they're looking for directions. But God has GPS. He has coordinates. You know, God's word helps us navigate it. He gives us the tools to help us make that plan. But finally, I want to talk to you on the letter D. But you have to be determined. That's your purpose here. Fervency is that heart, that passion for lost people. Invocation, the eyes you pray about it. God, show me someone along my pathway to help. And then the ends, that navigation. Okay, God, I've prayed about it, but God, who is it? Help me. Tell me, give me the right words to say and follow the plan. But then you've got to follow the plan. You know what, a G GPS does no good if you don't listen to it. If GPS says turn right and you turn left, then don't get mad when you get lost. Because <laughs> you didn't listen to what the GPS told you to do. Some people get mad at God as if it's God's fault when God told them to turn right, but we decided in our life we were going to turn left. Then we blame God. Why'd you let this happen? And God's like, I told you to turn three quarters of a mile back there. You the idiot that turned over here. 
we blame God for it. I said to you many times in this church that Satan gets way too much more credit than he deserves. There's too many people come to church like, well, Satan's been on my back, and Satan's done this, and Satan's done that. No, you did that. You the one that did it. It ain't got nothing to do with Satan. You're the idiot, not him. The devil's smarter than some people at some times. I'm like, he knew not to bother you because you're that dumb. Hello? I mean, if you know your car's running out of gas and you don't stop at the gas station and you run on the side of the road, don't say, well, the devil just sucked my gas out of my tank. No, idiot, you didn't stop and get gas. I ain't got nothing to do with the devil. That's stupidity. I mean, come on. Common sense here. You see, we have to be determined. We have to have a purpose. Why are we here? Matthew's gospel says, what would a man do if he found a rare, unique pearl? He would sell everything he has to buy that field because he found something of rare value. I'm reminded of an old song that sums up the purpose of who we are. Can I tell you this morning that it is not to make money. It is not to be famous. It is not to get social media likes. It is not to be friends with everybody. It is not to make sure that you get all the glory and honor and attention. That is not your purpose here. Let me read you the words to a song that really sums up what we're here to do. The preachers are weary. The singers are tired. The church as we know it has lost its fire. Some are discouraged from bearing the load. But we must determine to keep pressing on. So preachers, keep preaching. Anybody ever felt like that with the COVID years? You're tired. You're done with it. Preachers, keep preaching. Singers, keep singing. Laymen, keep sharing. Jesus is king. Angels have gathered. They're surrounding the throne. They'll start rejoicing with just one more soul. Because if just one more soul were to walk down this aisle, it would have been worth every struggle. And it would have been worth every mile. A lifetime of labor would still be worth it all if it rescued just one more soul. Every sermon you preach, every song you, you say, Pastor, I want to give in. But if one more person come to know Jesus, it was worth every effort he put into it. It's worth it. I'm going to confess some things here to you before I dismiss because, you know, I just, you know me, I like to get things off my heart so I sleep better at night. Don't shoot the messenger. You hear this, Pastor. I'm not impressed with people who speak in tongues anymore. That doesn't impress me anymore. You say, I can't believe it. We're in a Pentecostal church. We got a pastor who don't believe it. I didn't say I didn't believe in it. I said I'm not impressed with it anymore. Let me tell you what. We think the Holy Spirit is just someone that will help you jerk, gyrate, pass out on the floor, talk in some language nobody understands. While some of those may happen in the moment, we got people out there trying to teach you how to speak in tongues. You see what my issue with it is, is I don't, it's not that I don't believe in tongues. I'm not impressed with that anymore because there's too many people that are talking in a tongue, but they're not walking a walk that matches the tongue they supposedly are talking in. And I struggle that they can speak in tongues, but they can be nasty to the waitress on Sunday afternoon at the restaurant. And they can speak in tongues and talk dirty to their wife when they leave the church. Or they can speak in tongues and have nasty conversations with fellow people at work or fellow people and whatever. They have, I, have a, I struggle when they say, oh, I'm spirit-filled. And they don't tell any fruit that exhibits the fruits of the spirit in their life. I'm not impressed with that. I'm not impressed with that at all. The Holy Spirit did not come to give you a language. 
or to make you more spiritually advanced than other people. I've said this many times before. The Holy Spirit was not given for your enjoyment. He was given for your employment. Why do you say that, preacher? Because the Bible said we were supposed to go into the highways and the byways and to compel them to come. When you be endued from all power from the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. You didn't get the Holy Spirit to say, I'm smarter, I'm better, I'm wise. You got the Holy Spirit to tell other people about Jesus. To give you a witness. You know what the Holy Spirit was for? better come play. I'm going to die by myself. I know it's coming. I'm on my own. Make me sound good. And Chris, don't go far. No bathroom break. You stay. Because I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit came for. And then I'm running fast. The Holy Spirit came so you stop fornicating behind closed doors. You can't be sleeping with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or people that ain't your spouse from time to time and thank God you were okay. That don't work like that. The Holy Spirit came so that you'd stop cussing people out every time you didn't get your way. Yeah, you can talk like the big deacon in town. You can talk about, well, I go to Sandy Circle Church, God, I'm on the such and such a board. But then they hear you cussing somebody else at the car dealership. Now, God, that ain't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came so you'd be faithful to your spouse. Get rid of sinful thoughts and turn off filth. Delete enters that searches that you shouldn't be looking at. Getting off of drugs. Putting that alcohol aside. Getting rid of it. And, 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 and stepping away from a lifestyle of homosexuality and gender confusion. Leaving a life of prostitution. Re, re, reconcile, reconciling you back to your family that you have lost because of decisions. That's what the Holy Spirit came to do. Not to give you some special spiritual advancement. The Holy Spirit came to get all of hell out of you so that he can put everything in heaven inside of you. You will receive power from on high that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. I close with this. Anybody know what this is right here? Y'all pray to God I don't break this thing. It's like $400 and it doesn't belong to me. It's my wife's and it's her birthday and I stole it. Don't tell her I got it either. Just tell her happy 54th birthday or 45th, whatever number she is today. Anybody knows what this was designed to do? If you listen to the heart, it's to amplify the sound of the heart. William Wool was a great businessman and he was a corporate executive. But being stressed out at work and constantly on the go led to his heart timing out prematurely. After, a near, after nearly dying from a fatal heart attack, William was kept alive 159 days on an artificial heart waiting upon transplant. Mr. Wall was 57 years old. He never would have imagined this would have happened to him. He needed someone to come to change his life. But the only way he knew he would ever give a, get a heart is someone would have to die for him to get their heart. A young man by the name of Michael Brady was a stuntman for Universal Studios, Florida. He specialized in aerial skydiving. One day, Michael was in Benson, Arizona, preparing for a stunt where he would parachute off the top of a moving train. He had done this stunt so many times, he knew how to do it in his sleep. But he wanted to try, he wanted to make sure everything was good one more time, so he climbed up a ladder on the side of the train to make sure all the rigging was good, but he missed a step. He fell backwards and he hit his head on the train tracks. He died instantly. They rushed him immediately to the hospital. And they found out that Michael, 36 years old, 
was an organ donor. They normally don't tell people about who got it, but they transported that heart, and that heart was given to a guy by the name of William Wall. 157 days, 59 days on an artificial heart. But Michael Brady's family were so distraught, they asked if they could find out who got their son's heart. A few months later, William got a letter in the mail, and it was a picture of Michael and his family. It was a man with a wife and children. It was an incredibly good-looking, super-fit, athletic guy. And William thought to himself, how in the world did I get that heart? Inside the letter, there was a request, will you please meet us at said time and place? A few months passed by, and it was the day of visitation, and William arrived early to anticipate this meeting. A few minutes passed, and a car pulled up with a few people. As the doors opened, various family members disembarked from this car. The front passenger side door opened up and an older but yet distinguished looking woman got out and William knew immediately that must be Michael Brady's mom. Tears streaming down her face, she just smiled. But the driver never got out the car. And what seemed like eternity, a few minutes went by and the driver's side door opened and out stepped an older yet really healthy looking gray-headed man. William deducted that this must be Michael's father. But in his hand, Bill Brady carried a stethoscope. After talking for a few minutes and preparing to leave, Bill Brady shared the story of his son. He said, you see, my son and I were not just father and son. We were best friends. We ran competitions together. We encouraged one another. We stayed healthy together. And when I heard that my son died so that someone else could live, I heard that his heart had been given away. I had to meet the man that my son died for. And so I asked you to meet today. And Bill Brady put the thesoscope in his ears. He said, Mr. Wall, if you don't mind, and I place this on your heart so that I can hear, I may not ever see my son, but I'd like to hear his heartbeat one more time. I wonder if God in heaven sometimes sits up in the throne and says, you know what? I had to send my son to die. I'm just waiting for that lost person to come meet me one day so that at the end of that moment, God can take his spiritual stethoscope and he can put it on the heart and say, oh, I can hear the heartbeat of my son once again. Oh, they were lost. Oh, they were away from sin. Oh, that yes, my son had to die, but oh, just to hear the heartbeat of God one more time. See, I don't have a, a whole supply of these to give out to everybody today. But God can hear your heart right where you are right now. So with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm going to ask this question. You say, Pastor, I'm in a place in my life where I want to make sure that God and I are on the same page. That I hear the heartbeat of God and God hears my heartbeat. You say, Pastor, would you pray for me today? I, I, I need something in my life. I need to make sure that God and I are on the same page and we're good. If you could say that today, would you just, wherever you are, no one looking around but Jesus and myself, will you just slip your hand out and say, will you pray for me today, Pastor? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes, praise God. 
Hallelujah. Any other? Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you. Anybody else? Praise him. Praise him. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand all over the house. And I want you, if you feel comfortable, grab the person's hand beside you today. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But we have had countless people in this auditorium raise their hand and say, Pastor, I want to make sure me and Jesus are okay. Now, remember what I told you. The Bible said that when one gets, gives their heart to Jesus Christ, what does heaven do? They rejoice. So we're all together because we don't want them to feel like they're all by themselves. We're going to all just dedicate ourselves back to God one time together. But when, this, when I say amen, we're going to rejoice. There were probably six or seven hands that went up and said, God, Pastor, I want to make sure God and I are okay today. And we're going to celebrate that God has made them okay today, okay? So I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. But I know that you died on the cross, you were buried in a tomb, and you resurrected, and you're in heaven today. Come into my heart and into my life. Become Lord and Savior and forgive me all I've done. I commit my life to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now celebrate everybody that just gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Now you may be seated before I have Brother Randy come pray the benedictory prayer, but I'm, I'm going to take about 30 seconds liberty here. Miss Mary, will you come here for me real quick? I'm not going to put you on the spot. Will you just come stand beside me? When do you come to? I don't care. Y'all come together. You can come too. But I'm going to hold your wife's hand today. Don't tell mine. You know, many of you know we've been praying for Miss Mary and her cancer. She had it. We knew we had some liver issues, and we also gotten a report that it was in the colon. It didn't look like a good report. So we, we've been praying. We've been asking God. She's had to drink all these different things for different scans. Well, this past week, Miss Mary was back getting her test done and her report. Well, we still got to address the liver issue. Oh, he's got it. But we know the colon has come back cancer-free already. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We just talked two weeks, a couple weeks ago. We went through a series, The Church of Missing Miracles. That's a miracle because we couldn't fix that, but God can. So not only, I'm going to ask one more time, not only for those that got saved today, but for everyone like Miss Mary that has ever seen the miracle-working hand of God, can we stand all over this house and give Jesus the best praise we can give for all he has ever done? As Brother Randy makes his way this morning, let me say to you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance towards you and give you the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard your hearts fully.